This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I've had this idea to do a podcast and and feature different moms ever since I, as you mentioned, um, I really got to know Lisa a little bit at the Heisman ceremony in New York in 2015. So it was a long time coming. And I will say uh, it took me, I, I had to work up the courage to to reach out to Lisa. I had her number. I hadn't talked to her in what, like, I'm very, like very five intimidating. years. Very She's intimidating. Extremely person. intimidating. She's ex- I mean, look at her. She's extremely intimidating. And so <laughs> I called her out of the blue, probably honestly a year ago and yeah. just said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We still follow each other on social media, um, reconnected. And I just asked her if she would be interested. And I, I to my absolute delight she immediately said yes and we've kind of been off and running Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer's Patrick Antonetti. Three guests this week, two segments. First up, we have a conversation with podcasters Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey. Ashley Adamson also is the lead studio host for football and basketball on the Pac-12 Network. Why are they here? Well, they're here to discuss their new podcast, Your Mom, which is a weekly conversation with moms of the most notable, successful people on the planet. They've already interviewed a number of moms, including Marsha Leaf, mom of Ryan Leaf, Marilyn Plummer, mom of Jake Plummer. Lisa McCaffrey is a mom herself of four adult sons who are all part of football at the moment in some form, including Christian McCaffrey, who plays for the Carolina Panthers. So I discuss with uh, Ashley and Lisa, who were terrific, uh, how this podcast came to be, who they're, um, who they've interviewed so far, who they're opening to interview in the future. Um, it's a pretty cool idea. No one's doing this, and they decided to do this, and they will, uh, during the conversation, let you know. Certainly something Ashley's been wanting to do for a long time, and um, and then connected with Lisa. So Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey to start. They're followed by Andrew Marinus. He's the author of Inaugural Ballers, the true story of the first U.S. women's Olympic basketball team. That's the 1976 basketball team. And Andrew writes for um, young adults. And his book is about a team that people have forgotten about. But uh, I will tell you here, some of the names on this team are incredible. Pat Summit who was also coaching at Tennessee at the time, Ann Myers, Nancy Lieberman, Lucy Harris, who was um, drafted by the NBA, and then that 76 team from its coaching staff to its administration, it has so many Hall of Famers. Um, they won a silver medal 
the uh, the Russians at the time were just an unstoppable team. But you know, you can draw the line between them winning a silver medal and essentially changing U.S. Uh, international basketball forever, because as we know now, the arguably the greatest United States team that plays in the Olympics is the U.S. women's basketball team, which is undefeated now in however many Olympics they've done it. So Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey to start, followed by Andrew Marinus, coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, we gave a little bit of a quick bio for Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey. I'll give a uh, a longer one now. Ashley Adamson is the lead studio host for football and basketball on the Pac-12 network. She's been with that network since it's launched in 2012. Um, her professional stops uh, along the way include uh, news stations in Albany, Syracuse, and Indianapolis. And for this uh, podcast, she has uh, two young children, ages five and three. Lisa McCaffrey went to Stanford where... Uh, she was a star on the women's soccer team. She met her husband, Ed McCaffrey, there. He played 12 years in the NFL, won a number of Super Bowls. Uh, she and Ed have four adult sons, all of them who are either playing or coaching football. Um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you probably have heard of if you're an NFL fan. He obviously plays for the Panthers. Uh, Ed, thanks to Ashley's notes here, Ed is the head coach at Northern Colorado right now. And so Lisa's oldest son, Max, is the offensive coordinator and her third oldest uh, son Dylan is the starting quarterback. Uh, again, if you look at the McCaffrey athletic family tree, if you ever want to Google that, it's uh, it's ridiculous and annoying, and makes all of us who really are not near the athletic class of them uh, quite annoyed, frankly, Lisa. Well, we're not, we're not splitting atoms over here. We can run and whatnot. <laughs> I know you got to donate whatever that DNA is. Um, and then Ashley tells me she first met Lisa. Uh, when she was covering uh, Christian McCaffrey at the Heisman ceremony in 2015. So why are these two here? Well, they've partnered together for a new podcast called Your Mom, which is a weekly podcast with moms of uh, some of the most notable, successful people on the planet. Uh, a couple of their early podcasts have been uh, with Jake Plummer's mom, with the mother of Ryan Leaf. And when I heard about this, I just thought it was interesting. It's just very rare in the podcasting space, particularly the sports podcasting space these days, where someone has a new idea. And Ashley and Lisa have come up with a new idea. And again, that's your mom. And I'm pleased to be joined by Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. It is Thank awesome you. to be here. Thanks for having us. We're excited. Yeah. So well, it's way to slum on a lower level podcast, Ashley, Lisa, <laughs> but you are here. All right. Uh, I've been waiting will, a long I'll... time to get on your podcast. Come on. Yeah, please. <laughs> Finally have an ex- that... I started a podcast so that I could get on your podcast. <laughs> there you go. That and 275 gets you on the New York City subway right now, Ashley. So congratulations. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll direct each, I'll direct questions to each of you, but you are, you can feel free to, um, uh, play off each other. I can. We can all see each other, even though this is audio. We are visually looking at each other, so that should be easier. All right, Ashley, let me start with you. So, you know, you're, you're working for the Pac-12 Network. You have a full-time job, uh, but this is clearly a passion project for you. So how did this venture come together? You know, I, it was really during the pandemic, I think, when everybody started to reevaluate what they were doing and why they were doing it. And, and the future of whatever you thought you were going to be doing was thrown up in the air a little bit. And um, a mentor of mine gave me some advice and he just said, you should start something that you love to do, something that you're interested in and something that you're passionate about that has nothing to do. Don't do it to make money, but do it because you're interested in it and see where it goes because you have no idea. You can have all these different big ideas for a show or a, you know, a series or whatever it may be, but you just start small and start to build it. And I would do that, you know, while you're still 
at Pac-12 and see where it goes. So essentially, I've had this idea to do a podcast and and feature different moms ever since I, as you mentioned, um, I really got to know Lisa a little bit at the Heisman ceremony in New York in 2015. So it was a long time coming. And I will say uh, it took me, I had to work up the courage to to reach out to Lisa. I had her number. I hadn't talked to her in what like I'm very, like very five intimidating. Years. Very She's intimidating. Extremely person. intimidating. She's ex- I mean, look at her. She's extremely intimidating. And so <laughs> I called her out of the blue, probably honestly, a year ago, and just said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me. We still follow each other on social media. Um, reconnected. And I just asked her if she would be interested. And I, I to my absolute delight, she immediately said yes. And we've kind of been off and running. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great journey. And I think the biggest thing that has been just starting back to what we were saying about not trying to do this for any reason, other than just my passion is celebrating moms, um, is that we've met so many unbelievably badass moms and we've only been doing this for what, like a month and a half. And we've been really connected with some cool women. So that's been yeah, the best and part. And the best part is we're still connected to them. We still text all the time. I was talking to Chris Darnold today, this morning. And yeah. um, and then Jen, uh, Jen McBride, and uh, um, they were amazing too. Um, Trey McBride's moms, they're so fun, so amazing. Jen and Kate. And uh, yeah, we've become, we've got, we have new friends. So we've like- We just really started a podcast to make friends. Right. Well, no, I did it for money, but that's that's it. Just for money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of time, Lisa, for that. All right. So, what? so when Ashley calls you, Lisa, yes. um, what's your what's uh, what are you doing at this time? And then, secondly, what's your um, what's your reaction to that? Uh, clearly, you obviously decided you wanted to do it, and here you are now. But uh, did it come out of the blue for you, as as Ashley's presenting it? Um, her ask did yes, and I hadn't heard from her um, for years, and I was so excited to talk to her because she was so good at her job. She was so poised, so put together. I always thought that girl's got it going on way back then. And um, like she said, we follow each other on social media. So I sort of followed what she was doing um, throughout the years. And then she called and I was so excited to get the call. And at that time I was driving to Greeley, Colorado, where my husband Ed had just taken the job um, as the head football coach up there at Northern Colorado. And I don't know if you know um, anything about Greeley, but it's a um, little different than where we live. Although I have learned to absolutely, I've fallen in love with it. It's a great, great, great city. Um, but at the time, I'm like, where am I going? It's where the Broncos used to have training camp way back. Yeah, in that's right. And it smelled like, right, right. you know, a feedlot at the time. It's way better now. It's cleaned up. But um, I'm like, where are we moving to? I was almost in tears driving. And I'm like, once again, I'm following my husband, um, you know, wherever he's going. And, it's, and then I'm following my kids. This is kind of what I've done. So when she, I was like looking for something to do uh, for myself, my last kid had just gone off to college and I wanted to do something for myself. I'm like, Hey, I can read, I can do this. So, um, yeah, she asked me and I was, first of all, I was flattered that she even thought of me. And second of all, I was like, I, I mean, my favorite thing to do is connect with moms and talk about our kids and, and just sort of like share stories and compare and contrast. I think, I think it's so fun. It's so enlightening and um, educational. And um, you learn a lot from other moms, good and bad. And um, I just thought this was such an incredible idea. I was on board right from the start. So great. So Ashley, um, again, you guys are very, you just did your uh, sixth episode, including like a debut episode. So we're talking about a podcast that really honestly is just, is still in its infancy yes. by a lot. You uh, you sent me the sort of the pitch we're, deck we're that you made. We're still breastfeeding right uh, now. We're still. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for the visuals, Lisa. Um, you, um, so you sent me the, you sent me the pitch deck and um it has sort of a wish list of the mothers you'd like to have on. And we're talking like some, you know, very, very famous uh, people on the list who whose moms are out there. What's interesting to me, and again, 
um, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is in my at, for this podcast, like one of the things I have to do is book. I don't have a booker. I book myself. And like by and large, I could generally get most of the people I want, but there is a certain level of person like I'm not getting like I would love to have LeBron James on to talk about like how he views the media and how what it's been like to uh, to be in the media eye since a sick as 16 uh, year old person is as that famous. But like rallies, it's not happening. LeBron James is not coming on this podcast. It's just. You know, yeah, I work at the athletic and it's a name place, but, but, but like that's just not happening. You never know. Here. You never know. Well, I appreciate it, Lisa. This is why you're this is why you're a champion athlete at Stanford. Um, but Ashley, the difference is I think you guys could get almost anybody. That's what's interesting to me. So it's my lead up to ask you, how have you gotten the mothers that you've gotten so far? And what do you think will be your approach when you really sort of go pie in the sky? for some well-known people you really want? It's a great question. And I think it's something that we're figuring out as we go. I'd say so far we've used uh, our personal connections, right, Lisa? I mean, you've, yeah, you've, yeah. Had, you've got a lot of, of great connections. And I think what's interesting is we'll be bouncing ideas off each other and we'll say, okay, who are we going to try and go after? We've got a list and a tracker of people we've, re- we've reached out to and, and different, you know, different moms that are on our wish list. And it's amazing sometimes because Lisa will mention somebody and I'm like, that would be a great person. Like, I, and because it's just in her friend world, it's not maybe registering that, oh, that would be really interesting. Like, I'm going to say Peggy Shanahan. You were out on a trip with her a week ago and Mike Shanahan's wife, Kyle Shanahan's mom. Like, I think there would be right. so much that would be interesting there. So just, and, and that's Lisa's just, you know, going to Vegas and playing the slots with her. And I'm like, well, hey, but she'd be a great guest on the podcast. Video so, poker. Video some, poker. Oh, video poker, right? Yeah. Do the podcast while playing slots, by the way. That'd actually be a really good idea. I do want to make this a traveling podcast one day. That's the that's the goal. You want to just go (laughs) spa to spa and casino to casino. Just do it up. (laughs) But I think that's the the key. And then, you know, I have different media connections and I've met a lot of different people throughout my career. So I would say most of mine are sports focused, as are Lisa's. Um, but they're are so many to your point i just think there's so many possibilities out there and the key for us is going to be finding out okay is it are, are you going through the star's agent are you going through are you going to dm i mean i dm'd a mom on twitter the other day so there's all these different ways that you can go about it if you don't have their direct come from direct um you know number which lisa has her Content, yeah her right. rolodex is is very large and i've got a few but i think the other thing is then when you talk to moms, okay, what are some other moms that we should talk to? Who are moms that you know right. that That's we should interview? Best. And so it like starts to Smart. be, you know, kind of it expands. Yeah, mom, and, and we're looking for moms that want to do it, that are excited. Like the ones we've had so far have been so excited to share their story. And there's pe- some people out there that will be a hard no, and that's okay. You just move on to the next. But um, no, but there's some that are like, wow, they, they're very appreciative to be able to tell their side or their story of how this happened. Because it's not all roses and unicorns and rainbows. It's, you know, there's definitely when you're when you th- those, the kid has made it to that level, there's usually struggles along the way. And those are so fascinating, so interesting to hear how the mom navigated that. So, well, I just was going to say the one thing I would follow up to that just as a specific example, and I don't think she'll mind me sharing this, but you mentioned Marsha Leaf, Ryan Leaf's mom. And for those who don't know the story, obviously Ryan was, you know, big time player at Washington State, picked number two in the draft. Um, never, his career never materialized for a variety of reasons, ended up developing a drug problem, went to jail for three years. And her story was so raw and real. I have heard from countless people 
who just said like, you have no idea how much that impacted me. So I texted Marcia and I just told her that I said, Hey, it's three weeks after we did the interview. I said, I just want you to know how much, like, I'm, I want to like send all these messages to you because your words and your story and your honesty really made a difference. And she just texted me back and just said, you know, it's, it's humbled that other mothers can identify with the podcast, but I've got to be honest, the podcast is much for me. I've never been able to tell the exciting story of a little boy growing up to realize his dream. Listening to Lisa warm my heart. She was present in my feelings and she kind of went on. I won't read the whole thing, but it was that to me is the magic. Like right there, I screenshotted that text because I'm like this, that's the gold here. And whether or not we have three listeners or 3 million listeners being able to, for a mom to be able to share her side of the story and to look back and to remember some of the great memories, some of the hard memories and share how she maneuvered it. Like that's, that's my hope. So sorry to jump in there, but that I just wanted to follow. No, that's okay. Lisa, did you have any, uh, have you had any broadcasting, uh, background in your, uh, professional life? Um, well, back in the day, I used to help promote the Broncos wives food drive. So, yep. I, so yeah, pretty much the, you know, top tier right there. Yeah. You did well, some right. Ra- yeah. Hold on. Ed <laughs> said okay. you've done some radio. You also did some, lo- you did like a local news spot. There's a, there's yeah. a, there's a story out here on this. You tell, tell the truth here. Spotty, very spotty, but yes, I have, I've done, you know, I used my friends, uh, Susie Wurgen here. I used to, um, fill in, um, when like Dave Logan wasn't there, she and I would do the, uh, the drive by, which was the hot show back in the nineties when Ed was playing. And oh my God, people still <laughs> nice. talk about that to this day. They, I think it was just kind of refreshing to have two women talk about sports every now and then. Um, but yeah, no, just like I said, spotty here and there, but I've always kind of gravitated toward it and I've always loved it. And um, yeah, so I, I've enjoyed it. But no, I mean, nothing consistent, I'd say, but you know, I've I've actually enjoyed it and loved it. And like I said, um, gravitated toward it. So let's go. So, so, so the reason I asked that is um, when you're first starting, how did you and Ashley um, try to figure out if you had chemistry. Like the, the reality is like Ashley could have texted you and been like, I would love to work with you. I think it'd be great. And then you two get together mm-hmm. on air and it's dead silence. You just, you're just, you're stepping over each other. It's not working. So, um, so how did you find at least the first couple of either early shows or just in terms of even just practicing? Yeah. What was it like for you? Because the reality is like for Ashley, she's probably worked with a million different co-host or colleagues at this point if you're a professional broadcaster you can honest even if you don't like the person kind of fake it to be blunt but in your case you're this is not what you do for a living so what was it like for you to sort of do that initial kind of um well to be honest i kind of admired her from afar because i thought she did an amazing job i had been interviewed from tons of people in the past and i always thought wow she was so poignant and so she really listened to the answer i don't know i just felt like she did a fantastic job um way back when so that had always stuck in my head so i always liked her so when she called me you know like i said it was an easy yes and then my favorite thing that we've ever done is um um, right before the Super Bowl, Ed and I were out in California for the Super Bowl in California, and she flew down to LA and we rented a studio for the day. And it was probably the most magical day of my life. We had so much fun. We interviewed, there was our very first interview was Chris Darnold, Sam Darnold's mom. It was a three hour interview. And then she left. And then Ashley and I did our, fir- our we recorded our first show and it was Oh my gosh. It was like, just, it was like a big hug. It was just, it was amazing. It was just a really nice day. We had a great producer and studio and it was just, and I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. And I want to do it with her. She's amazing. She's powerful. She gets so much done. The only thing I'd say she doesn't delegate very well. She takes it all upon herself and doesn't let me do anything. So Ashley, can you just try to work on that a little bit? 
Yes, yes. Full time job, two young kids. And I'm sitting here. What I do, I drive from Greeley to back, Greeley to Denver back all the time. That's what I do. That's my job. Other well, than I, that, so I love Lisa me do because she's like, hey, let me record. She goes, Lisa's like, I'm going to learn how to edit. Like Lisa's yeah, like, I'm going to, no. like Lisa is game for whatever. I will just tell my version of that story, which is very similar. But Richard, you mentioned I've worked with, yes, uh, maybe tens, hundreds of people probably on the air over my career. And I have never sat down. You know, we sit down at this little recording podcast studio in West Hollywood. And from the minute that we met up at Starbucks that morning to the end of the day when she invited me out to join her and her family for her birthday dinner, um, I have never felt so immediately connected to someone like that. And usually even when you connect with someone off the air, the lights come on and you get the microphones out and people are different versions of themselves. I Yeah. Because it's, it's not really not, organic. It's still, you're yes, in a studio. Not, like, yeah, right. But I, I would just, it's a compliment to Lisa. And this is something that Ed said to me once about her. And it is so true. She allows people to be themselves and makes people comfortable. And my okay. brother sent me a note after the first episode that he listened to with us. And he said, I felt like that was you. Like I was actually listening to you and not you hosting a podcast or you hosting a show. Like Lisa brought out you know, kind of your real personality. Yeah. So it's, it's been a total gift for me uh, to be able to, work with I that. like this. I like the podcast because it's more of a conversation. I'll be honest. It's it. I'm not great at just being interviewed. Like, Oh, what is it like? You know, like that. I like a conversation where it's give and take back and forth and you can learn from each other. I just think that's like you said, way more organic. And I, that's what I got when I listen to a podcast myself, that's what I gravitate for. If there's no chemistry with the, the hosts, I, I find it boring and I'll change it very quickly. And so I'm like, that's what Ashley and I are like, oh, wow. we have, But I feel like we do. We naturally have that. We've had that since day one. And it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of, it's great. It's fun. And I love like watching you and listening to your stories about your kids because it makes me remember um, my kids at those ages and the struggle. And, and maybe I could be a little voice for you. Like you need to calm down. You need to relax, get rid of the mom guilt. And you're doing- Oh, she, she so. you've helped me specifically <laughs> when I called you the other day. You helped me with something that I was feeling like I'm not doing and I'm not showing up to there's eight thousand different things for kindergarten that I can't sign up for any of them because I'm traveling. And Lisa was like, it doesn't matter. I didn't do that stuff either. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like you're not going to make what you can. It. And it's all good. And I was like, I, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you. So you're welcome. All right. So Ashley, let me, let me ask you this. Um, and Lisa, you're certainly welcome to chime in after uh, Ashley answers. So, you know, there's like, um, there's so many ways you can go when you do these interviews. Like, I don't know if you want to try to do it chronologically, like if you're thinking about doing chronologically where you start with uh, the mom talking about who the child or children are like at a certain age young and then you go up. There could be obviously some people where you just want to maybe get into what's happening today. So that in, in some ways, it's kind of interesting because you like you have a challenge to me as the podcasters in terms of, OK, where do you where do you entry? You know, where's the entry to this conversation and what do you want to try to um, elicit out of the guest. So when, when thinking about this, how have you tried to do that? That is just such a spot on question. And I, it's something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about, right? Because the, or, you know, the organic way to say it is to, okay, you always want to make sure that whoever is coming on, that they feel comfortable and that you kind of warm into it and that you have something off the top, whatever. But it, the natural, you know, when I first thought about how we would set these up, it would be like, well, let's hear the mom's story. And let's get some of her background and let's talk about the star when he or she was little, what that was like, and then kind of build from there. But what I think we found, and that was what we did with Chris Darnold, certainly Sam's mom and, and Marsha uh, Leaf as well. But with Marilyn, it was one of those things where 
Okay, your son went from being an NFL star to a mushroom farmer. And I think it's that's Marilyn the entry Plummer, point. Right. Yeah, Marilyn Plummer. Sorry, Jay Plummer's mom, Marilyn Plummer. That was the entry point to that conversation. That was the most recent episode. And that led into just the most hilarious exchanges and <laughs> advice for Lisa um, from Marilyn. And then the thing that's been great about some of the NFL moms and football moms we've talked to is that Lisa has memories with their kid. I mean, she's got memories from when Ed and Jake played together on the Broncos and Jake, Jake was, was Santa, Santa. Kids one year. It was like amazing. So was yeah, like, she bought him a live, <laughs> she bought him a live snake for yeah. his birthday yeah. once, which is like another amazing story that came out. So I think your he question is so poignant because you want to keep the listener like, and I think that goes back to the audience question, right? Which is the most important thing when you're doing any kind of content is to know what audience you're looking for. And so are you bringing in people who really want to hear from Jake Plummer's mom, because they're a Jake Plummer fan. Are you bringing in right. people who just want to get some real parenting advice? Are you bringing, you know, I think in how you set it up it dictates who your audience is is going to be and is going to become. So you want to make it about the mom, but also it, I don't know, I guess I'd love your advice if you have any advice on how you would get into these. And maybe it's not the same way every time. Yeah, no, I, I, I think my advice to you would be to find your organic path mm -hmm. and like trust your instincts and to figure out what your show is. If you if you copy someone else, I, I'm not sure you're going to get what you want. The, the 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 interesting thing, I think, about your guest subjects is that the stories that they share should be interesting, both in current time as well as the past. So. Let's say that you got Giannis Antetokounmpo's mom, okay? His growing up, which is, by the way, I should mention, is on uh, Ashley and Lisa's wish list. The story of him growing up uh, in Greece, very poor, like that would obviously be incredibly compelling and fascinating, and I think people would listen to it. That said, also, what is it like to be the mom of one of the most famous athletes on the planet, um, who's won a NBA championship, who's, who decided to do, go against the grain to stay in a small city versus going to a big city. Like that's very compelling and interesting too. So my thought would be, you guys probably have a lot of, like you, you will end up needing more time probably for most of these and you will have to figure out how to edit down right. as opposed to anything yeah, else. That's, that's just my, that is exactly guess. what has happened. We, it's, we have so much content that yeah, our poor editor is like going crazy um, because most of these stories are so fascinating. But um, one thing, one blink, like, um, uh, Chris Darnold, um, for example, her dad was the Marlboro, Marlboro man. So that was interesting. And, really? and yeah, so wow. that was, that was fascinating. So that was great. Um, and we, we learned, I like to hear how the mom grew up her relationship with her mom that helped her mold these amazing, right. these amazing kids. So sometimes that's interesting. Sometimes it's very bland and, you know, boring or whatever, but sometimes those are fascinating in themselves. Cause as they say, everybody has a story. So you just got to find that story and it may not, the, the best story may be raising these, these phenomenal kids. Um, or it could be what happened in your childhood. I, who knows? I think that we, that we, it depends on the person. So find the, you know, the, the, the crux of it, the, the most interesting part. And that's the part I want to hear personally. That's what I'd want to hear. So. So Ashley, I'll ask you this: uh, Who's on the deck? Who's on your wish list? Who are the who are some of the people? If you if I if you could snap your fingers, uh, you would want on the podcast. Well, you mentioned Giannis's mom, and I think there's a lot of NBA moms that we have on our wish list, um, just because there's so you know there's some great personalities and some great stories. I, I live in San Francisco. I feel like Draymond Green's mom. Uh, not only is she a great personality, and she's done some stuff out there, but now that he's got his own podcast and he's the new media, like I'd I'd love to hear from her. Uh, Steph Curry's mom, it's interesting. She's she, Sonia Curry just wrote a book not too long ago that was released. And I'm, I was reading the book 
while, you know, in the finals of the NBA and anyone who hasn't read her book, I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's fascinating. And there's some incredible stories out there. She's parenting definitely different than I am. So I think I need to rethink some of what I'm doing, but <laughs> I feel like there are, so there's some NBA moms for sure. And then I think there's, we want to expand beyond sports, right? Like that's the natural connection for Lisa and I, but we were talking the other day, like, okay, who's your bucket list? And, and Lisa had a good one. She said right away when I asked her that the other day, she said, I want Taylor Swift's mom. So Taylor Swift's mom is officially, is that is officially a good on, one. The, on the docket. That's my, that's my wish list. Yeah. And that's I do, I think the celebrity. By the way, ones. by the way, Ashley, you should, uh, I was gonna say, I shouldn't interrupt you. Uh, anybody promoting a book yes. wants publicity. Yeah, so exactly. Your mind. So Sonia yeah. Curry would, Probably she would come, come on. on. Her job is to sell right. books, right? So that's totally. Right. And so, yeah. And I think that's the key is just figuring out, okay, you've got this long list. And, and as you, Richard, as you were telling us before we started, like it, it can go and go and go. And there's people that we haven't even begun to think about that would have really compelling right. stories and their moms would have really compelling stories. So that's, that's, what's exciting about this is that it's not like we're going to do one season and run out of, run out of guests. Lisa, one of the things about this podcast that um, you could go a lot of different ways is the reality is like you are the mother of a well-known athlete right now. Like that is just the reality of the situation. Your son Christian plays in the NFL. He's an all-pro type of player. Um, did you guys discuss, um, I don't know, having a segment each week where Christian comes on and it's mom and son doing that? While that would definitely be a way to get some free publicity – I also can understand, I don't want this podcast to be about my family. I want this podcast to be about others. So I'm wondering, when you and Ashley were sort of discussing that kind of stuff, how do you navigate using, I don't even know how to phrase this, using some semblance of fame to help promote your podcast while not making this the McCaffrey show? Yeah, Does that, that makes make perfect sense? sense? Yeah, and by all means, I do not want it to be the McCaffrey show. I don't think that's the purpose of it at all. Um, and, but when it's relevant, I'll talk about it, you know, or, or if it's, if it's, you know, organic, I'll have Christian would be willing to come on and, you know, help. um, he actually just listened to an episode. Actually, I forgot to tell you, he's, he actually loved it. So he said, but he would be honest. Yeah. He said he okay, loved good. it. Oh, I was going to say, we haven't gotten in trouble yet. Maybe don't listen to the third one, buddy. No, um, <laughs> um, no, but uh, no, I definitely don't want it to be about it. But I, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd say I would use it for publicity, but if it was relevant or pertinent to what we're talking about, I would definitely um, have them on and, um, and help, uh, you know, and, and they're, you know, they have a lot of followers. So I, they're, they're very supportive. I'll say that they're excited for me to do this. They know that I've put in a lot of work raising them and, you know, I'm kind of like yeah. in between stuff. So they're very excited for me to do this. Now they may not be super excited about what I have to say about them, but <laughs> <laughs> right now we're on great terms. So <laughs> let's keep this around. Yeah. Oh, by the, by the way, they, they, whether they're on or not, they should promote right. the hell out of it. Thank That's you. a very different situation. Like you got to use whatever you can use. All right, Ashley, what's all, what, this is a kind of a nerd question from me, but I'm always interested in this. I like process mm -hmm. a lot. So you're, you've started a new pro podcast. Okay. What kind of process did you do in terms of like, did you have to buy microphones at your house? Did you have to hire a, a producer to do this? Or do you have a friend who's like really good at audio and stuff? Did you think about how you're going to do like an opening and what kind of opening do you want? Cause these are all, like, these are all questions that you got to think about. Quite frankly, for me, I've been very lucky. Like, I have a podcast company, Cadence 13, that I work with. So the distribution part and the production part, and a shout out to Patrick Antonetti, who's my longtime producer, like, that's all taken care of. All I got to do is do the interviews and book. And that's, at the end of the day, I don't find that that tough. Maybe others would. But you guys now, you have to do everything now. You have to not only create the content, but when you're starting a podcast, 
and you guys aren't part of a podcast network yet, like you got to figure out how do we get this, how do we get this out? How do we get this to Apple and Spotify and stuff like this? So take me through the process of what that was like. As yeah, a new well, podcast. I'll start with the beginning, which is we actually did end up signing with Believe, so we're on the Believe network. Which oh, was there you huge, go. Okay. But it was, but I My will bad. tell you, it it was yeah. a journey. So your your question is is spot on, and that. You know, I think it's everyone, we make the joke, everyone and their mom has a podcast. Like it's really easy to start a podcast. And I think most podcasts make it two or three episodes, I think is the, is what the, they say, you know, what the numbers say. But when we, so Lisa says, yes. So I'm thinking, okay, we're good. Like Lisa's in, we buy some microphones, like, and then I have found, you know, it was a very long road to get to where we launched because you want to walk a fine line between paralysis by analysis and wanting everything to be set up and perfect before you launch and just like, hey, just go do it. And you're going to figure out a bunch of stuff as you do it. Uh, but at the same time, you want to you want to get off on the right foot and you want to be set up for success because Lisa has a very busy life. I have a very busy life. This is a passion project that you know we are making and carving out time for because it's so meaningful. But the reality is, yeah, we don't, this isn't our job. We're not making money. We're not, this is something that we're doing because we love it. So I think that was something that we found over the year. We met with there there were two or three different production companies um that, you know, and one that we talked to very seriously at the beginning that wanted to buy the podcast and own the podcast or own own oh, at least 30% of the IP and then have it become and we talked with a bunch of different you know, there were a lot of companies that were interested in owning a piece of this. And that was the track we were going to go. But the the advice that I kept getting from people who I trust very much in the industry was, you don't need to go that route. Like you guys just, yeah. you are going to yeah, keep ownership because then you can decide what you want to do with it. Right. Like you guys can decide if you want and you won't be necessarily answering anybody. So that was what's funny is I called Ryan Leaf, who is a friend of mine from Pac-12 to ask him if we could talk to his mom. And I, and he was going, so how is it going? I said, well, we haven't launched yet. And we just finally, after all these meetings, we're going to go it alone. We're going to just do it independently and see where it goes. And he's the one who actually, he, he uh, invested in Believe very early on and, and knew that, you know, very good friends with the CEO, oh. Braun. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. B-L-E-A-V, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I should have, I feel like I did know that and I missed it. So well, I'll get, now I'll just over promote Believe yeah, as been, much as I can. But so there you go. Yeah. Okay, so you are a part. But so that that is, I, I will say. Uh, it blows my early question up, but I'm not going to edit it out. Like that, that, that does, that's very helpful because now you're part of a podcast network that does have a ton of podcasts. To, totally. Uh, and I think the thing it. that was kind of nice, as much as I wish we had, I wish I had called Ryan, you know, nine months earlier and right. we could have, we could <laughs> have gotten straight to that. A lot. Yeah. It <laughs> was good because I think huh. Lisa and I were able to really, you know, there was some stuff that we were able to figure out that was important, both about what we wanted the show right. to be. You know, I had a, a very good friend of mine. I, the, the thing that I feel very lucky about is having been in this business long enough, and I've got some very talented friends as well. Um, you know, a, one of my best friends in the world created our logo and our pitch deck. Uh, you know, Lisa mentioned nice. Annie, who was the producer that very first day that we were in the podcast studio in LA. She was integral in us getting off the ground and really helping us own in on what we want this to be. So there have been, and now, you know, TJ's our producer now, and he's, um, he's somebody that I know through PAC 12 who does a terrific job and puts up with both of our crap all week long. So it's, it, you realize the network of people that you have when you try and start something like this. And this is the first time I've ever done anything, at, you know, and I think Lisa as well that we've ever done fully on our own. And I just, my hat's off and so much respect to people who entrepreneurs and people who start their own thing, because you don't realize when you've worked for a business for your entire life, how much the, just the processes are in place. And no matter how good you are at your job, you've got all these different yeah. support 
structures, all of a sudden it's like just you guys and you're trying to figure out all these different things that you are not an expert in. So it's been a learning experience. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I got two more for you. Okay, Lisa, when you um, when you envision uh, your listeners now, and maybe when you envision who your listeners hope to be down the road, who are um, new moms, old moms, wannabe moms, um, pretty much, and husbands too. I mean, I think you, I hope husbands, I hope guys too, because you can learn a lot from. Uh, these moms. Um, but yeah, no, I just picture, I just remember, um, raising my kids and I just remember being so lonely at times. So like, I felt like there was nobody else going through what I was going through, especially weekends when Ed was playing, um, he was gone all weekends and I'd go to the parks and it would just be me and the kids. And then everybody's with their little family having picnics and it would, it would be so sad. And I wished I had had um, something like this to listen to just to realize, Hey, there's other moms out there who have had, who have raised amazing kids and they've felt the same way along the way. And that's okay. Um, so that's, that's who I feel like we're kind of speaking to, um, after going through it, like, you know, Ashley said, I, like she has moments where she's like freaking out and then I always try to calm her down. Cause it, it will be okay. It's going to be okay. I promise you. So, um, anyway, that's who I envision, you know, that's people work. I, oh, and then I have a couple of college friends, uh, some girlfriends of my sons that are friends, they'll work out and listen to it and they're cute and they'll call me and they're, you know, give their input and they're, they're pretty funny, but they actually enjoy it too. And they're not, they don't have kids or are thinking of having kids anytime soon, but they just seem to like it and think it's kind of fun. And they like our chemistry, which that made me happy. Cause I feel like that's the key to most, uh, to a good podcast. Mm, great pitch. Save, save what you, you got to get the audio for no that, uh, Ashley. No she kidding. just gave that a really perfect. good pitch for guests and <laughs> for advertisers. Save that. Excellent. All right. And the last one for you, Ashley, is, um, okay, let's say I have you guys back uh, August 31st, 2023. Where do you oh, hope you this podcast is? We're, we're going to be so... <laughs> I mean, it's- I have, no, I, undoubtedly, <laughs> I'll have to go. I, we, I, I've already taken into account. I would have to go through a yeah, multitude of publicists and, so, yeah, and, and managers. With our agent's agent. with us at the Catalina right. Wine Mixer uh, with Lamborghini. Right, <laughs> right. I'll be the person on the outside. Like, do you remember Who? me? Like when it first Who started? I, How and, do you yeah. pronounce it? Right. Is it, is it <laughs> Deech? Reicher Deech? Is that it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know him. Yeah, uh, I know, anyhow, I know. All right, other, so you know, other than I, that, um, yes. That is a great question. And I think when when I think about long-term of this podcast, and again, a, a year is harder. Maybe we can fast forward that to like 2026 or 2025. But I think it, to me, to or be able to organically grow this over the next couple of years and really figure out, because we've already, the data that we have from the first you know month and a half of doing this, we've already learned so much about you know all the things that we've talked about over the last half an hour. But I think the the pie in the sky goal would be, and let's just put it out in the universe, and Lisa and I have talked about this, we'd love to expand this thing, whether it's, maybe it's a scripted show, right? Like maybe it's a scripted show on TV. Maybe it's a 
uh, Lisa and I are traveling and around, like I'm thinking about Oprah, like we, maybe we go to different locations and we're doing live events with moms that are around different, you know, whatever, whatever it may look like around different events that we get to go and speak, whether it's at a college or at a function or something like that. Yeah. Live, yeah, live podcasting would be awesome. Fun. Yeah, I mean, we probably would get in trouble pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> haven't gone sister. live yet. Need a beep. Well, we are going live. Tell we are. Yes, we are going to go live. And I don't know if this will have come out. What is your first live experience? Yeah, yeah. yeah, next Tuesday. What day? What is the day? Um, Tuesday, September 6th. September. Okay, this may be this. Okay, so you will have uh, have already done this. You made it. This uh, interview comes out. No, but we are planning on going live on our YouTube channel on the 6th. Yeah. So and that's again, it goes back to just let's try some different stuff and see what what, you know, feels right and what sticks. But I will say the thing that, and going back to when Lisa and I were together and we've now done a few different interviews um, and recordings when we're together, it is so much better. Like, it's great seeing you guys on the screen right now. And I feel super connected from all the different ends of the, you know, world that we're in right now. But when we're together, it's so different. And I will say doubling back on the McBride moms, Trey McBride's moms, Kate and Jen, we did an interview with them um, in this hilarious podcast studio in Parker, Colorado. And it was, I felt like we were on Saturday night live. I have never yeah. laughed. It was magical. harder in my life. Those magical. two women are hysterical. I can't wait yeah. for that episode to come out. I want to go hang out with them at their house. And, yeah. <laughs> and you might, uh, yeah, yeah, I went, I went and drove an hour to go meet them at an Apple festival when they were in town uh, visiting one of their grandkids. So I, I just think that being with people and, and having that connection, um, mm-hmm. we've all had, you know, screen fatigue over the right. last few years. So as much as we possibly can figuring out how to do this more often. So Richard, I want Ashley to quit her job at the PAC 12 and then move either to Colorado or we all move to LA and we have our podcast studio and we bring in guests and we do it once a week and we have a blast and I'll be her nanny on the side too. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's it. That I like, this is a good goal. Although I would, I would caution patients yeah, to make that move. Let's say this I just way, put the house you know, on the like, market. Should I not? Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. We, oh, we figure once late. we do that, then oh, the sponsors God. will come, right? Like, right. We just right. do that and then the sponsors come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always sell the uh, makes, house yeah. first before so we got the it all figured out. You yeah. <laughs> all right. Let me give some promotion here because that's honestly the most important thing. Okay. So the podcast is Your Mom with Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey. You can get this where most made you get your most major podcast. So it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spotify. It looks like at the moment this is coming out every Tuesday, so that's the plan. So a new episode each Tuesday on the Believe.com website. You can actually uh, there's a Your Mom sort of landing page which has all the different uh, podcasts, uh, sort of about the bot podcast. Looks like down the road if there's ever merch. There's sort of a place for that as well. Oh, there's merch and, coming. Oh, oh there's merch. Yeah, I like that. Smart. This is good. This is what you want. This We're is gonna, ultimately what you, If we send you a hat with your mom on it, would you wear it? Or a mug. Look at the mug. No, I'm not. Oh, that's really nicely. So, no, I'm not. I don't. I'm not taking any free graph. Don't take it personally, Ashley. But uh, also, like the the you will end up being charged for shipping to Canada to do that. So, so okay. save your right. save your money and invest it in the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. So some of the guests that they've had, uh, they had. Um, Chris Darnold, who's Sam Darnold's mom. They had, um, let's see here. What Ryan? Remind me of Ryan Leaf's mom again. Marsha. Marsha Leaf. Okay. Um, you had uh, Jake Plummer's mom. Remind me of her first Marilyn. name again. Marilyn. Okay. Yep. And you have clearly have a couple in the bank already that you've done that'll come out um, in September, right? You yes. don't have to mention that yet. 
but uh, but they have some names that people will know. Like th- these are these are moms of people who are very very um, well known in the universe. And then I'm assuming Ashley that uh, they can follow both of you guys on Twitter and Instagram. Does the show have its own either Instagram account or Twitter account yet? Not yet, but that is like the next that's thing on, on the our list. list. Okay. So All right. yeah, that's uh, that is coming. But yeah, f- un- until now it's it's just uh, it's just us. But your mom, your mom's coming to a social media platform. Your mom know, will so. be there. Watch your, your back. mom will be there. All right. Listen, Ashley Adamson and Lisa McCaffrey, I wish you guys both the best of luck again. Like when I, when we sort of talked offline, I have, I just, I, I'm always interested and it's always exciting to me to see a, uh, a content play that doesn't exist. And I feel like you guys have one. Uh, yes, there is mother podcasts out there, but there's not one that at least has delved in the conversations of, uh, of moms of well-known athletes. And at least unless I missed it, uh, just moms of well-known people. So I feel like, um, I feel like you guys are onto something and it'll be great to follow, uh, your journey. And hopefully, um, you know, I'll have you back down the road, whether it's six months or a year from now, uh, by then actually won't be taking my calls, Lisa. So I'll just be dealing with you. (laughs) And, uh, and so, um, but I wish you the best of luck. I really think you guys are going to, you know, as long as you don't, uh, you know, end up fighting like uh, McCartney and Leonard or something like that. I really, I think you guys have a shot of doing something. You have a really good idea and I'm excited for you. And, uh, and I appreciate you telling your story today on the sports media podcast. Thank we you. really appreciate you having us on. And, and as I said, off air, um, I appreciate you returning my cold reach out to you. I have been a fan of your work for a very long time and it's, uh, it's been awesome to connect with you and you've given us a lot to think about and, um, we appreciate your support, and I I hope that if Lisa and I ever get in a fight, we'll just record that, right. and hopefully that will be the thing that now, allows the podcast Ashley, to go forward. Now so. this is Ashley finally starting to think like <laughs> like a like a high end podcaster. <laughs> Everything is content. Your whole life is content. This is how you do it. Thank All you, right, Rachel. Ashley and Lisa, thank you very much, and and best of luck. Thanks. Thank you. All right, as I said at the top, Andrew Marinus is a New York Times bestselling author of narrative nonfiction for teens and adults. A lot of his focus is on the intersection of sports and social justice. He is here today for his latest book, Inaugural Ballers, The True Story of the First U.S. Women's Olympic Basketball Team. And that is focused on the 1976 U.S. Women's Basketball Team. I think obviously anybody who's listened to this podcast ever knows that I covered women's basketball for a long time in Sports Illustrated and um, have great interest in that sport. So this should really be an interesting conversation and i'm very pleased to be joined by andrew marinus andrew welcome thank you richard you're somebody i've followed and admired for a long time so it's fun to have a chance to speak with you all right well aim higher andrew is my advice immediately. <laughs> all right will do are you still in uh are you based in knoxville or nashville am i crazy oh gosh don't say knoxville yeah i'm in i'm in nashville at vanderbilt university so okay. um the only orange and we're taping this where you can see me behind me is a picture of uh Vanderbilt throwing a game-winning touchdown pass against Tennessee in Knoxville. That's right. the only orange allowed. In, well, I will here. say, anytime I hear uh, read about Nashville, Nashville civic leaders and their uh, politicians, man, hottest, hottest, fastest-growing city in America, man. There's a lot of <laughs> lot of press out there. So yeah, uh, getting a little tired of it. But, you're but, uh, you're in a, yeah, yeah you're, you're in a hot it city thing. You are in an, yeah you are in an it city for sure. Okay, so let's start here. Um, why'd you want to write this book? Um, well, as you mentioned, you know, I'm really interested in writing books uh, that get teenagers especially interested in reading by using sports uh, as the vehicle to do that. Um, and so I'd written a book about the first men's Olympic basketball team, which played at the 1936 Olympics 
in Nazi Germany. And I was at um, two middle schools, one in um, DeSoto, Kansas, and one in Marion, North Carolina, uh, which incidentally is the birthplace of Roy Williams, the coach. Um, and there were students at both schools when I was talking about the men's team that said, well, what about the first women's Olympic basketball team? And I'd been thinking that I wanted to write a book about uh, women's athletics. Uh, and that question made it obvious <laughs> that should be the story. It would be a, a chance to write about a team that came along, you know, just as Title IX was starting to be implemented. Uh, Title IX 50th anniversary this year, you know, at the time I was asked the question, I, I realized if I could finish the book in about a year and a half, you know, it could come out during this anniversary season. Um, and it was a chance to tell the story in the context of the women's rights movement. So I'm always looking for something that takes it beyond the sports and more into the, you know, the rest of society. So because I knew I was going to have you on, I, I started reading a little bit about the 76 team, or at least sort of like how they did at the Olympics. Cause you know, my memories of Montreal, uh, I, I mean, I was super, super young. I have no memories of Montreal, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and the memories that you have from there, the like who the stars were, they're either in like um, gymnastics or decathlon. It's it's not like this basketball team, at least it feels like for Americans, has any kind of residue. So in looking up this stuff, though, Andrew, you see the people who are on this team and it's unbelievable. So Pat Summit was a player on this team, just so my audience knows. She was in her second year of coaching in Tennessee. Yeah. So she she's, I mean, obviously this could never happen again. Like imagine Don Staley, like <laughs> playing currently for the team. Like this is not going to, it just wouldn't be the case. Ann Myers of UCLA, one of the great women's college players of all time, who actually tried out for the, for the NBA. Mm -hmm. Nancy Lieberman was in high school, again, um, probably was like Ann Myers 2.0, if you want to think about it that way. Took the game to a different place. Right. Another person, again, who who played with men, tried out for men's league. And then Lucy Harris, who um, I don't know how many people know about. First black player at Delta State, which was a power back in the day, and then drafted, in fact, by the New Orleans Jazz in 1977. So, Andrew, as you're doing this research, like there are members of this team who are like all-timers. It wasn't just like... Here's 12 players who are pretty decent college basketball players. I just named four people who are Hall of Famers. Yeah, no, it's an incredible collection of talent that was on this team. I think there are nine people associated with the team, either as players or coaches that are in the Hall of Fame. And there were women that were cut from the team that are in the Hall of Fame, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Marianne Stanley. Um, that's right. Carol Blazjowski. So, I mean, some great players uh, that didn't even make it. And, and yet – there were big underdogs. So in the world championships the year prior, uh, which was the main qualifying tournament for the Olympics, the U S came in eighth place. Uh, there were newspaper articles heading into Montreal saying the only good thing you could say about the American women's basketball team was that it wasn't the most inept program in the world, maybe the second or third worst, but not the worst. Um, Soviet union was uh, by far the dominant team in the world at that time, you know, kind of like we are now, they never lost any international competitions. They had um, a seven foot two center who was pretty much unstoppable. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's mom was on the team. I found a, a scouting report that called her a quote unquote dirty player. Um, and so headed into the Olympics, uh, we did qualify at a last minute qualifying tournament in Hamilton, Ontario. It was one of the last two teams in. And, uh, you know, the coaches and players had some expectations, but nobody else did. And so winning a silver medal, which would be a huge disappointment now, uh, was considered a, a great thing. You know, everyone was excited about it. And the, and the way they actually 
played the tournament that year, it was strictly a round robin. And so whichever team had the best record won gold, whoever had second best won silver. So we didn't lose the gold medal game to settle for the silver. They won a game to win the gold uh, silver medal. And heading into that game, the coach, Billy Moore, who really was Pat Summit's uh, mentor, told the team if they won this medal, they would change women's sports in this country for the next 25 years. You know, so she put that amount of pressure on her team. They did beat Czechoslovakia. And I think you really could say that they they changed uh, women's athletics. The participation rates in high school uh, basketball and youth basketball for women, girls uh, skyrocketed after those Olympics. You mentioned gymnastics. Billy Moore had seen the uh, influence that Olga Corbett had after the 72 Olympics and how many little girls took up gymnastics. She thought the same thing could happen with basketball. And she was right. Yeah. 1976, just to mention. Yeah, that's the first uh, Olympics that I remember. And it was really because of Nadia. I was six years old. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's, you know, if you cover Sports Illustrated, all that stuff, I mean, obviously just a transcendent figure. So my my thesis here, I, I wonder if you agree or disagree, is that in many ways this team gets lost for two reasons. One, silver medal teams, generally speaking, in team sports, especially in the U.S., are never looked at like in the same way as a gold medal team. And then I think the team gets lost because of the outright success of all the teams after them. <laughs> In that, you know what I'm saying? Like that 96 team in particular, because it was the bridge to the WNBA, is really beloved. They just did a, I don't know if you saw, but they yeah. did an ESPN documentary on it. You know, that team, rightfully so, um, is thought of as this sort of transcendent team that moves the sport to a different place. But I think the 76 team, in sort of many ways, unfortunately, um, gets played down, right? Because of the great success of the teams after it. The fact that we haven't lost in women's basketball in the Olympics and, you know, however many yeah. Olympics now. I know. I, I would agree with that. And I would also add, I think I probably gets lost because even at the time, uh, you know, some of the games were covered, but not the entire game. You know, it wasn't like today where every minute of a game is uh, viewable. Um, and then the, the uh, rivalry with the Soviets didn't really have a chance to develop because of the boycotts in the next two Olympics afterwards. Um, the fact that, the, you know, there were some pro women's basketball leagues coming along after the Olympics. But for the most part, those Olympic games were the the final game of most of these women's careers. So they didn't tend to stay in the news. Like Lucy Harris, a prime example of that. And the great documentary on her, the queen of basketball, you know, does such a great job of showing uh, just the lack of opportunity that a superstar, the best player on the U.S. team had at that point uh, in history, no opportunities in, in women's basketball. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to this. I imagine you do. But do you, can you give my listeners a sense of like in 1976, like again we're dealing in a in a in a three channel universe essentially. So there's no USA Network, there's no NBC Sports Network, etc. So it's not like today where you know every single men's and women's basketball game are going to get played somewhere from beginning to end. Like did ABC show? Like did they show any of this, or did they maybe like do a cut in for like the Soviet game where they show like 10 or 15 minutes? But like. Does the public, the American public, like, did they get to see these guys at all? They got to see them a little. I believe it was, like you say, a cut into the, it was the Soviet game. Uh, I believe that um, Bill Russell was uh, commentating. And then a woman named Bessie Stockard also. And I interviewed Bessie uh, for the book. And she talked about, you know, doing some color commentary on the game. She was the coach at Federal City College at the time, which became the University of District of Columbia. Uh, probably the premier, um, uh, essentially, black team in the 
country at that time. And she had been on the selection committee uh, to create the 76 Olympic team, help determine who, who made the roster. And in that sense, she was the first African-American um, assistant coach uh, on the U.S. national team. So when you were, Andrew, when you're approaching sort of how to do this, um, how did you approach it in terms of who you wanted to interview, how, how many people are, um, are accessible to interview? Obviously, when it comes to Pat Summit, the late Pat Summit, she passed. But my sense is research-wise, you could probably find a lot of research material from her about this team. So how did you, as the writer, how did you sort of approach that process? Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, she being sort of the biggest name, it was unfortunate, obviously, that she had passed away, but she'd written uh, many books a lot with Sally Jenkins, you know, so I was able to read those and so well documented over the course of her career. So there was a lot to find about her early life and her uh, experience at the World University Games in the Soviet Union prior to the Olympics. Uh, and at the Olympics themselves, she was calling back to reporters in Tennessee with almost a diary uh, from Montreal. So that was extremely helpful. Uh, most of the players on the team are still living. And so I was able to interview uh, most of them. Not all of them uh, wanted to do it, but uh, seven or eight players from the team. I was able to talk to uh, the head coach, Billy Moore. She's still living in Southern California. And she was really eager, like you say, that this team that accomplished so much really hadn't gotten much attention. And so she wanted to cooperate as much as she could, she said, because she felt like her girls, still calling them girls, you know, uh, deserved it. And then there was a woman um, named Mildred Barnes, who's now in her mid-90s, who I was able to interview. She was the first woman really associated with USA Basketball and was the director of that team. And so she hired the coach. They had the tryouts at her school where she was the head coach at Central Missouri State. Uh, she had been a pioneering athlete herself in the um, 40s and 50s and told me about when she was out running, trying to stay in shape as a field hockey player, lacrosse player in the 1940s, the cops would pull her over because they assumed any woman running down the street was running from trouble, you know, and not for exercise. Uh, and so, you know, that's a piece of this book is just the way that um, women athletes have been uh, stereotyped or limited in so many ways. In, in American history, you know, the, the women who came along on the 76 team grew up at a time where there may not even be a, a girls team at their high school. Pat Summit's family moved across the county line so she could attend a high school that offered girls basketball. Um, Ann Myers was the first woman to get a scholarship to play college basketball. So that, that wasn't a reason to play, you know, if you're a young girl um, and really no professional basketball either. So there's some temptation to say that they played, you know, for the love of the game or it was a, a pure time. But I think that diminishes uh, them in a way, you know, they, they would have wanted those opportunities. They deserve those other opportunities. And I also think it diminishes women who play now, uh, you know, they're working just as hard, even if there are a few more uh, tangible rewards for them. Well, are you optimistic that for 50 years from 76 or so 2026, maybe the team will get a little notoriety because uh um, Americans by and large like big, num- but big numerical anniversary numbers. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I've been speaking with uh, one of the players on the team, Marianne O'Connor, about um, nominating their entire team for induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, which okay. I do think is. Which, by the way, any I think any person can do that, right? You don't need to like it. You just have to fill out the form. Right. Anybody listening can do this. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, and she's like, well, you've got all the research done since you did this book. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be working on that soon. And I think they deserve it, I, not only for being uh, the trailblazers for basketball, but if you think about the fact that um, 
Olympic women's soccer world cup women's tournament didn't exist at that time. You know, I feel like this team really was the first U S national team that caught any public attention and, and really uh, paved the way for the other sports to follow. I want, I want to do one last area with you because it's pretty interesting to me, and uh, maybe there'll be some people out there, especially younger people listening, who might want to write these kind of books where um, they're targeting to um, you know, young adults, teens, et cetera. So when you are, Andrew, how, how, it's always challenging, first of all, for any author to promote any book like that in general, unless you are a very famous writer or a very famous person, it's always a hustle for any writer. So let's just use that as a sort of a base. That said, this is a particular market, and you want to obviously try to get um, the book in front of the people who might buy it, or at least areas where they'll talk about it. So, how do you, as an as a writer of uh, books for a certain age group that's quote unquote a little younger than the than adults, um, how do you go about trying to promote it? Like, will will um, the same traditional outlets like an NPR or people who write about books, like, are they still interested in this or is it a harder sell for you because you're not like writing, um, you know, the, uh, the Steph Curry story or like the LeBron James story or something like that. Yeah. I've experienced it both ways, you know, and even the sales guy at my publisher kind of laughed when I said I wanted to write sports related nonfiction for teens, you know, as if, well, that's not the way to sell books, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but for me, it's what I want to do because it, it feels meaningful to me to write a book that might inspire a kid to become a lifelong reader, you know? And so sometimes that works, you know, that might get uh, media outlets attention um, because it's a, a niche, you know, that not many other people are doing that comes with pluses and minuses, you know, like, like he was saying, like, well, why do that? But uh, on the other hand, there's a need there, I think. And so, yes, um, Back when there was the Only a Game podcast or radio uh, program on NPR, they did a few pieces about my books, uh, regardless if they were for, you know, intended for teens or adults. Um, there's also sort of this whole market of uh, a school library community, you know, and so I've been reviewed by those types of publications. That's who I really try to reach out to are school librarians and teachers and principals and try to go speak at schools. I feel like if you're going to write for young people, you need to be there in person too. They enjoy meeting an author, you know, and asking questions and realizing this is something that they could do too. There is a piece of me that like gets a little uh, jealous when I see like top sports books of the year listed or something. I know like I'm not going to be included there because my book's not considered, uh, you know, purely an adult book, or I was looking at new sports books that are out right now. And mine's listed under new YA books, but not new sports books. So I'd kind of like to have it both ways. And maybe that's <laughs> unrealistic expectation. Do you, you know, one of the things like uh, when I was thinking about uh, your book, this will be the last thing I, I ask you is, um, you know, you tapped into something, you tapped into a team that really has not been written about at all in sort of modern times. And there, it seems to me that the one I shouldn't say the one, but an area where um, there really remains a ton of exploration is women's sports prior to like the professionalization of women's sports. So like, and, and, and if these books have been written, I apologize. Like I just, I might not be aware of them, but like women's hockey, for instance, in like the sixties and seventies and fifties, like, what was that? Like you, you had no league. So is there like, is there any way you could have, um, you know, like played that other than just sort of on a local team for fun? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had the authors of uh, 
Hail Mary, the rise and fall yeah. of the National Women's Football League on, which was they, they did a great job on that. And that was like fascinating to me. I had no idea um, about that. Um, I'm sure there have been authors who've written about like um, whatever um, women playing baseball was in the 40s, 50s and 60s. And obviously we know like a league of our own mm-hmm. and that league was pretty big. But there are like I can name 30 sports, you know, and like it does feel like some of these sports – you know, whether it be volleyball, lacrosse or something like that, nobody, I mean, it's crazy to think in sports when you have like landscape that no one's written about, but for some of these sports, like literally no one's yeah. written about like that era, whether it's commercial or not, I don't know, but it is interesting that, um, in a, in a universe where so much is written about when it comes to sports, there are still these places where literally no one's written about. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, how many books have been written about like various New York Yankees <laughs> players or seasons, right? And but here you have <laughs> yeah, like right. a whole. And you get by the way, get re- get ready for more in a, in a couple <laughs> yeah, months. That's right. <laughs> I've always wanted to try to book about the '82 Brewers, but again, I don't know who buddy, who would who would buy that uh, as a Brewers right. fan. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's a goldmine probably of stories. You know, the, the challenges would be sort of related to your question about research. I doubt that these women were written about much at the time, you know, so hopefully they would still be living or else where are you going to hear the stories? It makes it all the more important to collect those stories now though, you know, um, uh, it's not that like in the case of 76 Olympics, it's not like women just started playing basketball in the, in the seventies. I mean, they were playing basketball within the first two weeks that the sport was invented, you know, and I write about that. And your, and your state has a great history of basketball in the fifth women's basketball in the fifties and forties and sixties. Yes. Uh, Tennessee, a real hotbed with uh, national business college, probably the best team in the country in the AAU leagues, Nira white. Some people say was the best player of all time. And Sue Gunter was a teammate of hers. And then she goes on to be the assistant coach at the 76 Olympics, another legend associated with that team. Um, no, I, I think you're right. And it's part of the inequities that you still talk about. Okay, so 50th anniversary of Title IX, what are the inequities that still remain? And media coverage uh, is one of those, you know, and I would, you could add historical coverage of women's sports is another uh, area to be corrected. Andrew Marinus is a New York Times best-selling author of narrative nonfiction for teens and adults. His latest book is Inaugural Ballers, the true story of the first U.S. women's Olympic basketball team. And as we talked about here, that's the 1976 U.S. women's basketball team where um, there are just so many people. Andrew's named them. It's not even just like Pat Summon, Ann Myers, Nancy Lieberman, et cetera, who I mentioned, but like the coaches and assistant coaches and other people associated with these teams. These are legends. He just... Uh, as we're getting out of here, you just mentioned Sue Gunther. She went on to become uh, a legendary coach at LSU. So it's just like the connection. And then um, think, and and if you look at Sue's coaching tree, you'll see people who played and coached under Sue who are now coaching all over the country. So these, uh, and just like Pat Summit, like these, the 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 generational extensions from that 1976 team uh, go on and on. Um, Andrew, I really appreciate uh, you coming on today. I wish you the best of luck with the book. I'm assuming uh, one can get this via Amazon and and anywhere else. You got it. Yeah, it's pretty much the standard line wherever books are sold. And there's also a, an e-version and an audio version that you can get online as well. Ooh, I love the audio version. Yeah. Nice. All right, Andrew, best of luck with this. Andrew Marinus, his book, Inaugural Ballers, the true story of the first U.S. women's Olympic basketball team. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew, in the Sports Media Podcast. All right. Thanks so much, Richard. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Ashley Adamson, Lisa McCaffrey, and Andrew Marinus for their time. Podcast before this one, we had uh, Chad Finn, conversation with him on Amazon's first uh, regular season NFL viewership, and Fred Siegel, the author of uh, Freezing Cold Takes NFL and the person behind the uh, old takes 
exposed account. Prior to that podcast, a massive welfare scandal in Mississippi, a volleyball facility and Brett Favre. We had a conversation with Mississippi Today investigative reporter Anna Wolf, who has been writing about the the welfare scandal in Mississippi, um, basically uh, at the forefront of that story. She's done incredible reporting, and she explains uh, the role that uh, Brett Favre has when it comes to uh, to that uh, major story, and probably uh, one as I'm taping this that uh, remains uncovered. Um, again, go through the archives. There should be stuff uh, that you'll appreciate, whether it's Joe Buck on Vince Scully. We had a long conversation with uh, Jimmy Pataro. I've had the lead producer and director of Amazon's coverage, Fred Gedalia and Pierre Musa, as well as Fox's top NFL team, producer Richie Zions, director Rich Russo. And so again, there should be some stuff in the archives that you will like. Um, really appreciate the feedback that I've been getting. Again, this podcast remains if uh, you leave us a five-star review and a nice note. And, uh, and I'll start to read some of these uh, uh, reviews on, uh, on air if you would uh, like to. I don't get I don't want to read if you're going to bash me. But if uh, you like this podcast and drop a five-star review and a nice note, I'm, I'm happy to shout you out on this uh, podcast for whatever it's worth. All right, I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Cadence 13, and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.